Hey, Turbo fans. Thanks for joining us for episode eight of the Turbo Comics cast. This episode, we're diving into what comics we've been currently collecting, as well as putting a spotlight on grading companies, most of the grading companies that most collectors currently use today. From CGC to PGX, we'll answer some important questions about each company in today's Turbo cast. So make sure you follow us on Facebook and Twitter and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Turbo Comics podcast, episode eight. Graded books, recent buys, and a solemn goodbye. Hey guys, I'm Max, your Turbo host, and I'm here with Zach, our Darkhawk obsessive, and Matt, our D&D purveyor of all things occult and cool. Uh, how you guys doing tonight? God, Matt gets such a cooler intro than I do. Well, oh, dude, it's Darkhawk. No man. way. Yep. No way. You got the best Dark... You got, a, you got the amulet. Like that's that's true. That's true. That's I do need to like three D print one of the, like an amulet or something like that and just put it up on my. They have a shirt on like Redbubble or something like that, but it's like thirty bucks for a Dark Hawk shirt. So if you guys want to get me that you've, for my birthday, you've it's spent coming up pretty so soon. much money on Dark Hawk number ones that yeah. you couldn't spend thirty dollars for the Dark Hawk shirt, the only no. one in existence. The only no. one in existence. Why would I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, what are you talking about? How many number ones do you have? How much money have you spent on number ones? I don't want to say that in public, but I mean, I got a lot of them. <laughs> just buy the shirt. Oh my god! You know, just, we'll, we'll just birthday's make coming up soon, guys. We'll just make matching shirts, and they'll just say Darkhawk Fraternity of Raptors, and we can all wear them together. Mm, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, what are we talking about? What are we talking about in this episode? Oh. It's not Fraternity of Raptors. That's for fucking sure. <laughs> yeah well i mean you know we kind of wanted to do kind of an off-the-cuff cast where we're kind of talking about you know a little bit about what we're collecting we wanted to dive back into comics a little bit talk a little bit also about cgc uh pgx cbcs some of the grading companies and you know what we like and what we don't like about them you know what you should know about them as collectors um as people who are sending your comics into those different companies and uh but i think to start the cast we're gonna have a bit of a somber somber note i think um because one of our one of our heroes actually just recently passed away mr denny o'neill um so i wanted to take a little bit of time at the top of the cast to just kind of talk a little bit about denny talk about you know his you know i mean in immense influence on the medium and contributions to the medium that we love um what kind of stories i guess we really loved that he wrote um that meant a lot to us that we remember that we kind of cherish um and any other memories that we might have about denny o'neill um what do you guys think what do you think zach did you uh did you enjoy any denny o'neill goodness over the years oh, oh yeah i mean so the his stuff always stuck with me uh, with his batman and his detective comics run i mean that that's what he was primarily known for i would say maybe a little bit with the Green Lantern, Green Arrow as well, but it, whenever I think Daniel O'Neill, I always think of Batman. So the stuff he did with Ra's al Ghul, uh, Talia al Ghul, and I think if memory serves, he also wrote um, the Ra's al Ghul intro for the Batman the Animated Series, one out in the nineties. Yeah. And all, all, all that stuff was just uh, like immensely impactful. I mean, I, I loved the the characters he introduced and just the, I guess the, the maturity. And I, I don't want to say grimness because when I, when I say like grim Batman, people always think like Frank Miller and sure. that returns and sure. all that. But he, he brought a little bit more <clears throat> of a, a realistic side to Batman that, that was like mm -hmm. grittier and a little darker, but not, you know, 
Dark Knight Returns super grimdark level, you know. So he he just he, he brought a little bit more maturity to it and a little more uh, uh, realistic gravitas to the whole uh, Batman Enterprise. So that's that's what I think about when I think about Denny O'Neill. I mean, and just it, it, it kind of simplistic, but I was never ever bored reading his stories. Like it was just it was always engaging to me. It was always like thought provoking. I wasn't just sitting there just like mindlessly thumbing through. I was like actively engaged in all of his stories. So. I That's mean, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Frank Miller. I mean, Denny O'Neill. It makes me wonder whether or not Frank Miller would have even happened if we wouldn't have had Denny O'Neill. Because um, in a really good piece that Neil Adams had uh, had wrote uh, or posted online after Denny passed away, he he mentioned that Denny was like a reporter on the Nightbeat, and it, yeah. it, in being a reporter on the Nightbeat, he was that you know that reporter who was reporting on the dirty underbelly of urban sprawl and domestic violence and you know, the bloody hospital emergency rooms and all of these things that, yeah. you know, later on Frank Miller would just kind of like, you know, completely, you know, push into the darkness even more. So not but just yeah. Frank Miller though, but like uh, a whole generations of Batman, like, sure. I mean, it, and it, it, it seeps into the films, even the, the more cartoony films have those elements, you know, like once, w- once you start to get kind of like that, uh, that grounded feel for Batman because he was still kind of like a wonky character. He still had like a very like jovial nature, even in all, you know, much of the, you know, early, early years. So, and, you know, Denny O'Neill also um, brought the Joker back into like the homicidal maniac that we know the Joker primarily for. Yeah. He, that that's the Joker. That's like, the standard now that's the joker villain that we know and so this the batman being a street level character it comes from denny o'neill and so you know his influence is going to be yeah it it helped wash it helped wash away at least from comics the stigma the batman had coming out of the adam west tv show i mean i got a soft spot for the adam west but everybody viewed batman as kind of this hokey character that had you know a bat you know, enter name here <laughs> of some gadget to get him out of situations. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But Denny O'Neill helped uh, wipe that, uh, wipe that stigma away and help make him, uh, I mean, really, like you guys are saying, mold him into a character that others would continue to follow and that we still see in pop culture today. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing about Denny too, is that, you know, this is a guy who he, you know, we, we're talking a lot about his writing. Um, but I don't, I think something that not a lot of people talk about is the fact that he was also an editor on a lot of books. And um, I mean, a ton of books, Marvel and DC. And some of those runs that he was an editor on were actually really fantastic. Um, one run that that isn't, you know, super, I guess. I mean, it's well known, but it's not super collected, I guess, is, you know, that that early Moon Knight run that he was the editor on um, where Bill was all doing the covers, both sick of its. But uh, those are fantastic books. You know, those are great. And I've read a little bit about like how Denny had a little bit of a you know, storyteller influence on some of those books, um, you know, but, but again, he, he had such a indelible, I guess, mark on the industry, not only as a writer, but as an editor for, you know, obviously multitude of books for the big two. But what about you, Matt? Like what was some of the books that you really loved that Denny, uh, Denny worked on? I'm being the resident DC Gomer, just about everything, of course, but right. I mean, one of one of the biggest things that stick with me, and this is like <clears throat> kind of a weird personal note, is that um, my my grandfather was really into boxing. My grandfather really loved boxing. When I was a young young child, I always watched boxing with my grandfather uh, all the time. That's what he was always into, and so I grew up watching 
quite a bit of boxing. And so when he had uh, Superman versus Muhammad Ali, for me, when I first yeah. read that, it was crazy because in, in within that story, first of all, uh, spoiler for everybody. <laughs> yeah, this is a big spoiler. Superman gets whooped by Muhammad Ali. And he then goes on to fight, you know, some sort of bizarre alien and gets down and out. And like any good Rocky story comes back and whoops the alien. And it's just this great street level story for a larger than life figure two larger than life figures, really. And at the time it was still kind of controversial because you had, you know, Muhammad Ali, obviously, you know, an African-American beat up this Superman, this Ubermensch. And <laughs> that, I mean, there's symbolism in that. And yeah. much, much of the creators that were on Superman were, of course, of Jewish descent, who also <laughs> very well versed in persecution. And so it has all these great political overtones without you know, just outright saying it. It's one of those things that's great about storytelling. That when you're like a young child, you can see this and it still ferments in your brain without being overt. It's very coy and wonderful. And it, it came out in another time too. Like, I mean, Muhammad Ali was I mean, kind of getting roasted in the media for skipping out on, uh, you know, going to war and whatnot. Mm -hmm, and he mm -hmm. had, he's a super outspoken character. I mean, one of sports' greatest figures, easily. And so it was just a really cool, you know, one-shot that when you see it, it's just like, wait, what? Like, I couldn't imagine seeing that on the shelf. Like, you know, like, you, you show up to your shop. Oh, you know, man. There's not, there's not the internet or anything like that. Right. You know, you just show up and, you know, and at your local market or at a newsstand or something, there's Muhammad Ali versus Superman. Well, not only that, but it was like the, it was, it was released in that big format. It was, you know, it was huge. Yeah. So I yeah. mean, it would just overpower like any of the other books that are on the stand. You'd just be drawn to, you know, just to everything about that. Yeah. And it's also done, you know, Zach mentioned the Dark Knight run and it has Neil Adams and who's a frequent collaborator, especially at that period. We're all going to all, I think it's hard to talk about right. Neil yeah. without Neil Adams. And personally, that's some of my favorite Neil Adams work is that, uh, you know, Superman, uh, or Superman versus Muhammad Ali. So, it, you know, it just touched upon a lot of things, just being with my grandfather and him loving boxing and him kind of like, you know, us talking about that when I was young. And so comics was something I was really into. And so when I discovered that this existed, you know, it was something I could talk to my grandfather about, which is, you know, an odd thing because he had no interest in anything comic book related. But, you know, he thought it was really cool that there was a Muhammad Ali versus Superman book. This is where we have that, uh, you know, that sitcom music that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's actually really cool. So my question to you would be, uh, are there any others, like I said, from Muhammad Ali that could best Superman in the ring? Are we talking like Mike Tyson? We're talking George Foreman, Evander Holyfield? <laughs> I mean, there's, there's so many great boxers. And I mean, uh, one of the things that's great about older boxing, not newer boxing, of course, but older boxing is, is they have all these great, great, like, stories to the characters uh, so many so many of them were larger than life stories themselves like george you mentioned george foreman and 
I mean, for a guy to come back at his age on that like second, <laughs> the second <laughs> when he went and got his uh, title when he was, you know, old, I watched that with my grandfather. And yeah. my grandfather was super pumped because this old guy gets in the ring and it's like your typical underdog story, which you see in movies, which doesn't even sound real anymore. So could someone else best Superman? I don't think so. Well, you know, not only like, that, but I doubt that Superman would have a, you know, a really best selling grill after that, you know, that everyone wants no to way. buy, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. Well, Early '90s, Mike Tyson. Uh, if you ever watched some of his videos, man, he was terrifying in the ring. He's terrifying early, now. His comeback early, now early '90s. It would probably yeah, be more like. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to fight the man right now. Yeah. But I'm saying, it's, I really wouldn't want to fight him in the early '90s, man. I mean, <laughs> we we also got to talk about which Superman, though. We talk about Earth Two Superman. We talk about. Oh man. Oh, <laughs> we man. don't want to jump down that rabbit hole, but yeah. uh, the rabbit hole but, there. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. You know, I don't think there's, again, Muhammad Ali is so synonymous with um, boxing, you know? Right. I mean, even older, the golden era, you know, when you get back and you can look at like Joe, Joe Lewis or Joe Frazier, you know, I mean, like, it's just, there's so many, like, Rocky. great, I mean, Rocky, you know, like... <laughs> It's, no, it's I, I, you know, the great. cool thing about that book, though, the, the, I mean, the, the, that book is one of those few books, I think, in, in comics in general, where it almost, you know, it surpasses just the genre. I mean, it becomes part of Americana. It becomes part of like our culture. Um, it's one of those things that's sort of like a, you know, a, a road marker, if you will, of, you know, a, a landmark of that era. Um, and that's why I think that one of the reasons why that book is so fondly remembered as well. And, and again, Denny worked on something like that, and that's always going to be remembered as hugely important, um, not only to the genre, because I think it also, like you were saying, it, it brought a lot of attention from people who normally weren't that familiar with comics or didn't really buy that many comics to maybe take a look. Um, you know, so it brought attention to not only Denny, but also Neil, um, which was great. But, you know, my personal, I guess, pick is... Um, little bit, bit of a backstory. So like one of the ways that I actually got into comics was there was a middle school in my town and I would re uh, go to the library there and I would um, check out books. And uh, some of the books that they had in there were actually collections, almost like an omnibus sort of, of uh, some of the older like 60s and 70s silver and bronze age comics. So we had Silver Surfer and Fantastic Four and Captain American Avengers, stuff like that. But the only DC one that they ever actually had was green lantern and those green lantern books that they actually had <clears throat> was a lot of the run from denny o'neill and neil adams you know starting with that landmark issue that green lantern uh, 76 and so i remember checking those out and you know i remember not actually enjoying them that much when i first checked them out um because i mean i was like 11 and i really loved that's the, tough you know, concepts yeah and, and, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's I really, a lot of heady concepts yeah, I really loved, um, you know, Fantastic Four. And, oh, oh, man, I'm reading, like, the first, like, 20 issues of Avengers and things like that. So the Green Lantern stuff, I actually didn't get as much. It wasn't until a couple years later, um, you know, probably, like, so sixth and then eighth grade when I checked it out again and I read it, that it really clicked. And, you know, for those of you that don't know that much about Denny, um, you know, Denny is, you know, he was a, he's a national treasure, really. I mean, Denny... You know, we've lost a hero in Denny, um, and he was a hero and a mentor and a connoisseur of his craft to so many different people in the industry. And, uh, you know, we can see 
remnants of the things that we've been talking about here and that he worked on throughout his entire career in film and in any kind of media form that you can possibly think of you know you're going to see something there that um you know was trailblazed essentially by Danny O'Neill you know which is hugely important and um you know but for me it was those early green lantern books and those were published you know in 1970 1971 um and those still resonate really you know today i think you know in a lot of ways and you guys know this those books were you know in some ways a transition in comics because they started to talk about social issues that were really relevant to that era so it started to deviate a little bit away from you know some of the more campy aspects of comics and really usher in an era of relevance um to comics where you know we're talking about you know civil rights we're talking about politics in some ways and how it impacts you know the everyday lives of civilians and things like that and um there's always that really famous uh panel in green lantern 76 you know, and and you guys know exactly where I'm going with this. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. You know where he where he's talking to the the elderly black man, and um, you know, and the black guy is you know he's talking about how Hal has helped out all of the 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 blue skins and the orange skins and the purple skins and all of these other alien creatures and people from other planets, but he's never helped the black skins. And he will you know the the guy wants to know why, like you know, because he's you know because if you know about the history of when these books were written, if you understand, you know the the culture of that time in our country. Um, this was a really, you know, kick in the gut is for comics, really. And, you know, when he asks that question to Hal, Hal just like looks at his feet and he says he can't answer the question. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't have an answer. Um, but that's one of the greatest things about those books is that, you know, it's, you know, you go back and read them today and a lot of the work there that Denny and Neil were able to do is really, I, I think, deceptively simple in that. You know, the the art and and the way that Denny would actually write was just you know, getting their point across without having to lecture you, getting their point across with just expert and you know masterful storytelling and um you know and again those types of books if you go out and you buy that Green Lantern Green Arrow collection from Denny and and Neil you're not going to be disappointed because I think a lot of the things that they talk about uh, really resonate in our society still today. But, and uh, in uh, doing research for uh, for this uh, segment here, uh, to tie back to our last episode, uh, Denny O'Neill also came up with the name for Optimus Prime. Really? He did, according to uh, Bob Adansky, who uh, came up, he was the guy that worked at Marvel that was basically in charge of the transition for the Transformers over there. O'Neill came up with the name of uh, Optimus Prime. Wow, that's that is incredible. totally wild. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. just insane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, to talk about what Max is talking about, this that run is nearly required reading for comic book sure. fans. It doesn't matter if you're into superheroes or not. Maybe superheroes aren't your thing with comics. It is so culturally relevant, sort of sadly still, but it's it's a huge thing, and it takes characters out of what Max said, like the goofy, campy, like just plain superhero out of kids stuff almost and brings them into a, and it brings them into a place of reality and puts them in real situations with real people or, you know, other, other characters that could be totally real with real problems, you know, not yeah. just like random alien encounter for Green Lantern where he has to make a fist and punch it. You know, I'm a huge Green Lantern <laughs> fan, but there's not a lot of like 
in-depth storytelling to Green Lantern for a long time, you know, until this, you know. Yeah. So <clears throat> the, the, I, it's it's nearly required. I, I it's it's something that everybody should check out. You know, no matter how you feel about superheroes or not, there's going to be something in there that you find enjoyable and totally relevant, and will be. Oh, man, just how much you're well, going to yeah. see of current books and current writers, and how much they caught from that. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I, you know, we we all kind of read comics during an interesting time frame because you know we we definitely went back and we read, you know, those early works that that Denny had worked on. But we also read a lot of the contemporary works for our time when we were kids that he was actually writing on. But during that time, I mean, he was also a teacher. Probably, I mean. Quite, quite frankly, you could argue that he was the best in his generation at, at teaching, you know, writing and editing to all these different people that populate the industry today, you know, that have become disciples of the Denny O'Neill school of writing and school of thought and how to really handle a character in this industry. And his voice, as Zach was saying, for Batman, that's still, in, I mean, in a lot of ways, the voice that we see today and in, in so many depictions of that character. Um you know, and we also, again, talk a little bit about that social conscience to comics and the thing that he brought that. I mean, he was still doing that. He did that back in the 70s, you know, almost 50 years ago. But he was still doing that even in the 80s and early 90s with his work on, um, do you remember, Seduction of the Gun? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was still doing stuff like that. And I mean, again, you can't say enough about, you know, his mark on this industry. Um, I know he was getting up there in age and, and I know that he... He, I don't think he was doing very well health wise, but um, you know, it, it definitely is a gut punch and uh, for all of us um, and you know, we're definitely going to miss him, but you know, we're definitely not going to forget him. So, so yeah, there's our somber moment for the cast. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we go from here? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, the cast is over now, but yeah. uh, again, again, guys, you know, it, it, you know, what we're going to go, go ahead and do is we're going to post some of our favorite Denny O'Neill stories, kind of like a, a collection of books. You should probably pick up that are Denny O'Neill books. Um, when we actually publish this cast. So make sure you're following us on Facebook um, because we're going to be posting those in our Facebook group and uh, we'll have recommendations from Zach and Matt and myself um, for all of those Denny O'Neill books that you should definitely, definitely grab. Um, so with that, you know, we're going to kind of dovetail also into um, another topic. And it's just a basic topic because we want to kind of dive back into comics. But we're all collectors, right? I mean, we've all been doing this for a long time. So what do you guys mm-hmm. been what do, what do you guys been grabbing lately? What have you been collecting? New, old, classic, graded? What do what you, you been driving on? So uh, as of today, today, uh, what was today? I can't tell anymore. The 18th of June when we're recording this. Um, the Miles Morales book, Ultimate Fallout 4, his first appearance uh, over this past weekend just blew up in popularity. The the 9.6, 9.8 graded uh, copies have been selling for quite a bit. So uh, I cashed mine out. I, I you know I had a, a 9.6 and I was like, you know what, I'm I'm good with prices. I'm making a little bit of money off this, so I, I sold it and I put uh, the sales of that book and another book along to finally get a giant size X Men number one. Graded, graded 5.5 it's a hot, hot. yes big yeah boy. Big it's, boy a big, book. it's a it's one of my big boy books it's one of those <laughs> i remember reading in wizard be like oh my god that book looks so awesome and like just the concept <laughs> of owning it never really crossed my mind because it was always like out of my budget but um i i finally finally got the the means to acquire it so i did um and i got a few other like i got a raw copy of strange tales 89 
And if you guys don't know what that is, it's the first appearance of a Marvel stalwart, Fing Fang Foom. It's his first appearance in there. So, Ooh, yeah, yeah, that's it's a good talk one. right there. That's awesome. Yeah, I honestly, I haven't been, I haven't been getting a whole lot of a lot of new books lately. I grabbed that Venom twenty five that came out uh, a couple weeks back. That was like a. I think that was supposed to be the free comic book day book that they just rolled into an actual issue. Um, and it kind of read like it, I guess it was basically a synopsis of what happened the previous 24 issues. Sure. Um, and then I think, gosh, I think that's really about it. I got another dark Hawk one, 9.6 CGC that puts me at three now. Um, and then I've got instead 12. of just buying a 9.8, you keep buying nine. <laughs> it's one of those things, man. Like, if I get a 9.8, it's gonna feel like it's over, you know? It's like <laughs> I, uh, the grail, I, the, grail, the, grail. Oh, the grail, yeah, but it's such a like easily obtainable grail if I if I really wanted to, but it's you know, I'll wait for the right moment. And I, well, I mean, uh, you know, at some point, you'll be able to cherry that giant size X Men. Number one for you know your grail. So for a bunch of dark hawk one <laughs> probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that that's really about it. I've just um you know, I, I was talking with, with Matt and uh you know, I had a bunch of modern stuff that I liked, you know, but I wasn't really overly attached to and uh he just he he sat me down and was like, Girl, you gotta sell those books and get the books you really want and I was like, you know what, you're right. So I got rid of the ones that uh didn't mean as much to me to get the ones that I actually have always wanted. And I got to tell you, it feels pretty damn good. Cause I mean, this year I got the X-Men and I got the Avengers number four, which is another book I've wanted for a while. So well, that's wow. what it's all about. Well, not, not only that, but you mentioned like wizard and when you were a kid, mm-hmm. like I know, I know all of us are, I feel this, like we never would have anticipated that we would ever have some of these issues. Like ever. No, no, ever. no, absolutely ever. not. No, you know, I mean, and we would like look, you know, back then you'd like look in the wizard and, and you'd like look in the price guide and, you know, oh, cool. Like uh, giant size X-Men number one is like at $200 now. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's so much money. Like, yeah. yeah. Amazing Fantasy 15. It what was it like uh, to $1,000 back yeah. in 92 or whatever? Yeah. 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 yeah I wish. It's just yeah. like crazy. And then and then you look at like all of the um, the great thing about that is like you look at all the hot comics, like when you have those old wizards in like 1992 and it's like they're all <laughs> It's like top ten, and it's like, like half blood, half bloodshot and, zero. Yeah. yeah, like Rye and all that yep. stuff. You know, Harbinger yep. number one was yeah. like <laughs> you know on there forever. But no, that's really cool that you got that Grail. Um, congratulations. Uh, what is the clap? I mean, outside of it just being like an amazing book, like is there any other kind of significance to that book? That I mean, is just a piece of Marvel history and the X Men and. Oh, it's any- it's the yeah. first appearance of Nightcrawler, Colossus, and Storm. I mean, th- those are three of the the characters that I grew up watching like all the time uh, with the X Men animated series. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess not so much with Colossus and Nightcrawler because they only popped up in a few episodes. But Storm was in there, um, and then when the Jim Lee series relaunched, I remember looking at those characters, just thinking like, "Oh my god, these are the coolest things I've ever seen in my life," and they were just they're just a big draw for me. So it's it's cool to have their first appearances in the second full first or no yeah it's the second full appearance of wolverine so. yes second full appearance yeah so yeah. i've got i've got his first cameo appearance his second full appearance i just need that the uh, anybody's got a spare hulk 181 burning a hole in your pocket you want to get rid of just uh let me know call me girl yeah <laughs> yeah i got I a saw, dark hawk 19.6 for you <laughs> No, that's awesome. Um, but you you forgot. I think Sunspot too, right? 
uh no it's a warbird oh warbird wasn't it yeah. or thunder thunder um thunderbird that's what it Thun- was was Thunderbird Thunder. was yeah. was Warbird his brother that popped up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In X Force, okay, yeah, yeah. Thunderbird, he he died uh, two issues into his, you know, into his nerds. Yeah, whatever. whatever. I think it was yeah, John Proudstar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's cool. <laughs> he had a good run. Yeah, yeah. yeah I guess of. technically the first appearance of the Isle of Krakoa as well. That's awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> Which? What about uh, you, Matt? Uh, yeah. I won't go into that. Oh. <laughs> we, yeah. we don't want to. We don't want to go down that that rabbit hole at you all. So. Talking about yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I I've been moving and shaking books, just like Zach, quite a bit, but probably just purchasing more books than moving because you know I'm I'm me. Um, mm-hmm. I keep I, I keep winding up with more Ghost Rider number or Marvel Spotlight fives, so I have three copies of that now. Um, Because I finally sent mine in to tie into this cast. I sent mine in for grading. So I have a 7.0 and 8.0 and an 8.5. 8.5 with white pages. What? That's Um, awesome. Yeah, very, very wonderful copy. Um, And then my, but as far as like bigger grills go, I got. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Well, I got two. I'm going to go into a, well, not so much softer one, but I don't know if I talked about it before. I got uh, the Golden Age Ghost Rider pretty recent um mm-hmm. so tim holt six that's from 1949 um that's a pretty tough issue to find a lot of golden age books are hard to find in general but um i got a, i got that one and then my big big snag is a was a white whale where i was like chasing constantly on forums constantly looking on ebay constantly looking at every auction site possible just for you know raw graded whatever but uh that was the first appearance of detective chimp which pops up in yeah yeah yeah, (laughs) yes a very odd (laughs) series adventures of rex the wonder dog number four which is a tough series to find anyway and tough to find in any grade i'm pretty sure this this is going to um, wind up, it's a raw copy, but it's going to wind up as a 1.8 or um, 2.0. It's pretty rough, but mm. they just don't exist. You, you just don't find them. In the CGC census, um, which is something you can look up and see how many are on there, there's none. There's less than 10. And so it is a very, very hard book to come by in, in any way. So in any grade. And I went real aggressive about it because I was like, I'm not missing out on my chimp. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I got to have all the justice. That might be my, my, th- that's the only eBay auction I've ever watched as a passive observer just to see what happened. That was, that was great, man. That was, that was really entertaining. It was sort of great. I was sweating bullets. And well, I, I, I It wasn't my money on the line. So it was easy for me to sit yeah. back and laugh. <laughs> <laughs> one of my, one of my rules for eBay purchases is that I always set myself a limit. Like, Okay, this is the price, then that's it. You know, so I'm not going over. You know, if it goes higher, then and I miss out. Other books come up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, you talked about modern books and how they come and go. You know, and that's what that's what happens. So you don't want to overpay. You know, I mean, in eBay, you typically overpay anyway. But this right. is the sort of caliber of book that. <laughs> I mean, you don't find this at conventions. You don't find this in Grandma's Attic. You don't find it anywhere. So I was like, increase, 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 increase. And I was just like, when like the final seconds were there, I was like, please, no, please, no, don't, don't go higher. You know, I was like, my rip wallet. But 
you know, when I got it and I opened it and it smelled terrible, I was so happy. Like, you know, <laughs> and looking at that first page with that goofy looking Bobo the Chimp on there and, you know, just knowing that it's like one of those books that you just don't come across. And Golden Age is like another right. whole nother topic. We'll probably go into the cast. Yeah. But if listeners out there aren't Golden Age collectors, those are books that are just amazing. Yeah, just they're amazing just like, to they're, collect. They're, they're like relics. I mean, you know, it's just like it's amazing that they yeah, I, I'm always surprised like when I see one in the wild because it's just like, how did this survive? <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like, yeah, well, yeah, they mostly don't. I mean, yeah, if we talk about it, you know, again, we'll talk about that later, I'm sure. But like uh, Seduction of the Innocent, when that book came out, they just started burning books, burning yeah, comics, yeah. you know, yeah. so not only were the books burned, but nobody collected or thought these things were collectibles. So much like old sports cards, they just disintegrated, you know, and you basically had to have some weird file copy, which if listeners don't know, that's a copy that, you know, um, the creators or the publishers kept as like some sort of reference in in the olden days before internet (laughs) databases and such. So, you know, either you find a really nice file copy or, you know, some crazy pedigree where it's like, yeah, Yeah. which is of course like some grandma's house where she's like, yeah, I kept my son's comics all right here forever in the same corner, Yeah, you know, for a hundred, nearly a hundred years, you know, much like some of these are so long ago, but it's just crazy. Yeah. And so getting one of those books and I got, I actually got, I actually got it in a lot. And so there was like a, a whole collection of Rex, the wonder dog books. And it also has like, um, some other early detective chimp appearances, which are neat. And then um, the classic uh, atomic cover that has like a giant dinosaur with like an atomic bomb explosion in the back, which is um, I think one of the more sought after books in the series and huh. more common. So you see that one moving around quite a bit on like, so what is it about detective chimp that you love that you, that made you want that book? It's almost like the chase, but I mean, yeah. I, I like the JLA dark quite a bit. And I also really like shadow packed. and just like uh just the supernatural stuff that go you know all of older dc you know i i have obviously talked about my love of phantom sure yeah you know i mean all these like super weird golden age dc characters were always like you know just supernatural and odd Just that cool message, but like just the golden age, how they viewed the, you know, always had like a, a different Detective chimp ended up, he was gone. <laughs> yeah, for he was. A long, I was going to say, was, that's why I was like, curious about what made you want that book and that character. Yeah. Well, again, it comes back to his like reintroduction later. Cause even in like, you know, the late eighties when he was reintroduced a little bit, not much going on you right. know and then for a long time but then he was again you know shadow pact is where he got kind of brought back into the forefront and then um justice league dark and i just really like all that stuff like i said it's it's my quest to have all of the justice league dark characters which is n- probably never going to happen because one you know wonder woman's a, a member so i'll never have that well, book probably yeah. mm. i mean that's not not even having like a 0. 0.5 <laughs> like sure. that's like a sure you know you, i gotta get the facsimile yeah. you know you, you, might, you have like least, a, might have like a page from it or something do you at least yeah. have your hawkman number four yet 
No, that's my next one. That's a tough one because that's a very the, the market on that is weird. I I don't think it's too much, but I think it's too much for how many of those books are out there. I yeah. haggled with a dude for one where he had it for an okay price, but it had a pop staple. So the cover uh, was like slightly detached on the bottom and not that I really care. I just felt it was too much for how much he wanted for it. It was still like a modest sure. price, but you know, but pop staples for listeners as we <clears throat> roll into graded after this is going to be, that's a thing, you know, so you got to, well, you'll, you'll, you'll find it eventually. I mean, you'll just keep your eye open for that and you'll find it eventually. It's a great book, you know, to have if listeners don't know it's for experiences of Tana, one of those awesome. <laughs> and I, I, I totally agree with you, Matt. I, I'm totally on board with like all those characters that you mentioned, maybe not as much detective chimp, but, all of the um, <laughs> all of the other supernatural characters i i love that type of comic book um i love those types of of you know personalities and um there's a um a collector that i'm friends with and um he has a really great collection and i actually finally picked up a book um that i've wanted to for a while like a long time um and I was really jealous because Zach actually got a copy pretty recently, actually. And it was uh -oh. the uh, first appearance of Mr. Boston Brand, um, mm, which nice. we know as, as Dead Man. So I was like, I think 1967, um, Strange Adventures uh, 205, I think. Yeah, 205. 205. Um, you know, and that's that's a book that I'd been wanting for a really long time. And um, strangely, I just had never found that in any kind of collections that I had ever purchased. And, um, you know, we could talk a little bit about, like, you know, finding dc keys from the the silver or bronze age totally different oh, story yeah. than finding marvel keys i mean it's it, it's they're just like way harder to find it seems like at least in my experience out there um way and harder dead. to find yeah and yeah and it, they're always yeah. like mangled if you do yeah. find them <laughs> yeah yeah if you do find them yeah they're all trashed and um you know and that was one that i just had never seen and i had found you know 204 and 206 but you know 205 never ever was there and it just pissed me off and it isn't very often i mean you guys know how um cheap that i am like mm -hmm. I, it wasn't very it's not very often where i'll actually go out and on a limb and actually purchase a book but that was one that was just kind of like grating on me that i just still didn't have and i love that character like dead man is like he's so my, awesome yeah he's one of my favorite dc characters um i wish that I, he was actually used more often um you know and so that was a book that i i really enjoyed but um, as far as new books are concerned, there's there's quite a few new books, and I don't want to go too deep into this um, into the new book kind of like topic. But you know, and and this is a new book that is really easy to shout out for, and we may have even shouted it out before. But I I really love this book, and but it's the new Strange Adventures. Where since we're talking about Strange Adventures, let's talk about the new the new volume that uh, Tom King is working on with Mitch Gerards, um, where you have Adam Strange. I mean, this book is awesome. Are you guys reading this book? Uh, no. It just came out. I haven't. I haven't actually picked up my new books. So <laughs> oh, it's super, super cool. Like yeah. I, I would, I'm sure I it's would, amazing. Yeah. I mean, if you guys, uh, I mean, I know you guys like the Mister Miracle Run um, that these guys worked on. I, I would totally, totally jump on this because it is a lot of fun. Um, I, of I love Tom already. King. Like he's great. So I feel like, you know, I also feel like his Batman run has got like a super bad rap. Like, in it, uh, yeah, you're totally right. You know the cool thing about uh, the cool thing about Strange Adventures too is that Evan Shaner is also working on it, and and so like there's it's really interesting because um, to see I guess the dichotomy between their two art styles because um, 
you know, there's certain pages that really work for one artist and certain pages that really work for the other. And it's almost like they know exactly what they're really, well, they do know, but it's it's like they're, they're basically lending themselves to panels that really accentuate their talents, which is really cool um, in that book. You, you definitely got to check it out. So. Yeah. And you're a big fan of Tom King's like, uh, cause actually I wasn't reading it, but you suggested the Omega man. Which oh, is, that, uh, yeah. That is a, so good. Well, very yeah. underrated, super underrated yeah. book. Like, super, super out. underrated book. Um, yeah, I would totally recommend it, especially to any people who are Lantern fans as well. Um, mm-hmm. That book was that book was fantastic, and it was funny because when they when he was working on that book, like they, DC actually canceled it. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, <laughs> there's and, the and, yeah, there's the can. Yeah, and they they canceled it, and then there was such a huge outcry, and people were so mad that they weren't going to finish this mini. Um, that they actually went ahead and did it, which was great. Which is, I would have been really mad because that's, it was really good. It's the same thing that happened with uh, Manhunter back in uh, 2007 or eight. Do you guys remember that? I do remember you complaining the, about the, it. The, the Mark and Draco Manhunter series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that show, that was the only time I wrote a letter. I think I still got the uh, reply letter from DC somewhere <laughs> about uh, extending Manhunter. <laughs> Whatever you're, you're in a Walking Dead book. Uh, I am in a Walking Dead book. Yeah. So I don't know for listeners out there. Zach is w- one day when Zach pins his uh, Dark Hawk series that Marvel will pick up. They're gonna yeah. you're gonna get your CGC graded Walking Dead, and we'll say letters from Zach. Yeah, I, I think it's. Oh, I'm sorry, your name against George. Yeah, there it is. There it is. George. Again. George. Mer-mer. Yeah, do you want my social security <laughs> number to everybody? Uh, yeah, I think it's in issue seven or eight or something like that. Uh, I mean, yeah, the, really early. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah. I claim to fame right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. That's that's awesome. Awesome. So, <laughs> so we've been all collecting like things. I mean, obviously, we're going to continue to look for the, those uh, you know hard to find keys that we've been wanting forever. And the uh, quest. Yeah, the quest is that, like you said, the chase is always fun. You know, that's the that's one yeah. of the most fun things is trying to find those books that we've always loved and 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 wanted. Um, but again, there is a ton of really new, good new books out there as well. Um, you know, Strange Adventures being one of those. So, uh, listeners, go check that out. Um, you know, there's something else that you know, as collectors, that you know, we're, we want to talk about, and that's grading books. I know you guys have been chomping at the bit to kind of discuss this particular topic, particularly because, you know, we've, you know, well, you guys in particular have been sending in books lately um, to CGC to get graded. And, um, you know, so we want to talk a little bit about, you know, what we love, what we don't love or hate about, you know, the, the each grading company, um, you know, why do it at all? You know, why don't do it? As That's well as some of the differences in, in, in these companies that are available to, to collectors. But um, I guess go ahead and start, Zach, for, I guess, yeah. why you love or hate, you know. Yeah, so it, it's a personal preference. I think first and foremost is, is what you got to realize with the, with the graded books. And it's what your intent is to do with the books. If you're buying a comic and you read it and you're like, oh, my God, I love this comic. And you want to keep rereading said comic? Don't get it graded. If you're planning on uh, reading it one time and storing it and then maybe displaying it, eh, consider it. If your goal is to turn around and sell it, I mean, there's a chance you could make more of a profit if you got it graded. So it's really like you got to decide what you want to do with your comics when you get them. Um, so like with, with some of the, my older issues, I sent off um, 
like my uh, Werewolf by Night 32, the first Moon Knight. That was uh, I sent that one off immediately when I got it, and that was because it was it was beat up a little bit, and I wanted to keep it preserved because I knew this was a book I was going to hold on to for a while. So I sent it to CGC. Got it graded, they sent it back, and now that thing's sitting in my personal collection. I don't have to re- really worry about it getting damaged or anything <laughs> like that. Um, so the the difference, I guess, if we want to go down that rabbit hole now, like you got your three, if you're in North America, there's some different ones if you're listening to this in like Australia or wherever. Um, but there's CGC, CBCS, and uh, PGX, right? Um, CGC is uh, far and away the the top dog, especially when it comes to sales, people take CGC as the standard for what a graded book is worth. So, sure. so you take that, you say like a 9.8 CGC versus a 9.8 CBCS versus a 9.8 PGX. Almost all the time, the CGC is going to sell and be worth a little bit more because people know that name, they know the label, and that's what they associate with like a, a grading standard. Um, and then I'll, I'll divert over to Matt here in a second to talk about the like the offshoot that is CBCS, but I'll just speak to a personal experience of mine real quick. Um, I had a signed book, uh, Miracle Man number one, that was signed by Alan Moore, but I didn't have a certificate of authenticity with it. And so I was like, well, I got this really awesome book. What like how do I show that this is Alan Moore's signature on there? And CBCS, they actually they have a pretty cool. Um, it's called the Signature Verification Program. You can basically mm-hmm. send your book down there. They'll look at the signature. It's a pretty small fee. I think it was ten dollars, and they will verify uh, without a certificate of authenticity that yes, that is the person that signed your book based off of like examples of their signature that they have like on file. Um, and going through, having gone through both the CGC and the CBCS. I found the CBCS submitting and um, cost, um, uh, what would you call it? Like a cost ladder? Because there's like, there's different, mm-hmm. there's different prices based off of what uh, era of book you're submitting and the value and all that stuff. CBCS was way clearer and it was easier for me to submit through them than it was through CGC. And there was also, there was also mm-hmm. no membership required, which is big to me. Like with CGC, yeah. you have to you have to get a membership. CBCS, no membership required. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also I've never used PGX. I've only ever seen one PGX book in person. And I, I think I think what it comes down to with that is PGX. Uh, their like their reliability on the actual grade is not high. So what I mean by that is you can have uh, a PGX 5.0, break it out of the case, give it to a CGC grader, and they'll grade it a 3.0. So like their standards of evaluation aren't as high as other companies. And that's been the biggest knock. If that's true or not, I don't know from personal experience. I've just, I mean, I've heard anecdotal stuff and and honestly, the the market, market rules, right. And it's, it's always CGC. Yeah. The market decides. It does. And that's what, you know, you look on eBay for graded books, a a, a solid, I would say at least 80% of them are going to be CGC. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, maybe even higher. I was being generous with 80%. But. Yeah, that's, that's nice. <laughs> conser- conser- conservative, rather. Um, and so I guess to, to get back to the, the crux of the question, I, I grade books that uh, I, I know I'm going to hold on to, but I also grade books that I know that I'm going to sell. So it, it's really, uh, it's, it's a, it, there's no real easy answer. You just got to make up your own mind as to how invested you want to get into like this, the, 
secondary market when it comes to comic books. Like if you're going to turn around and start selling stuff, it's so much easier to sell something that is graded and certified like 9.8 by a third party instead of like trying to take pictures of a book of like every single corner and send it to the person and then agreeing on an approximate grade and then with mm-hmm. the pricing and all that. So that's, uh, yeah, I think I've rambled enough on that. I'm passing it to somebody <laughs> else. No, I think that, I, th- I think that's, uh, I think that's cool to hear exactly kind of what you use that for though, what you use, um, you know, cause you, you're kind of a dual purpose thing here because a lot of the people that, and, and Matt's going to probably speak to this. There's, there's certainly collectors who want to get like books, you know, graded that they're actually collecting. And then there's the stigma of the flipper who is going to snatch up a bunch of books and, and get them, you know, graded and flip them right away. Um, and that's the thing that probably fluctuates the market at times. Um, what do you think about that, Matt? Oh man, this is such a multifaceted question. I know, and, you know, it's crazy because, um, what happened when CGC landed was revolutionary for great reasons and terrible reasons. When and when was that? Was that, was that like early, was that 2000? 2000s? 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. I believe they started taking memberships in 98 or 99. Like when yeah. they started like contacting shops and getting everybody involved. And um, so to, to CGC's credit, what they did to the market and what they did for it is probably one of the biggest things is restoration detection, which for those that are, that are listening out there, this is one of the biggest things for you to do or learn about when you're getting books, it's especially big, big books, raw books, is to understand restoration. We, we just spoke about with the golden age. And so... Before, there's a lot of people that would like, um, you, you talk about nasty flippers, but there was, you know, there was guys <laughs> that were passing books off as like, you know, this is a 9.0, you know, uh, Marvel Spotlight 5. And later on, the people that purchased that bought it at like this absurd premium. And it has, you know, color correction. It has, you know, reinforced spine. It's trimmed, it's which trimmed. is the yeah. worst. Yeah, yeah, the worst about it. You know, that's probably the one that is the has the biggest stigma. The trimmed is where they actually cut the corners to make them even, so you don't have like abraded corners or blunted mm-hmm. edges. And you know, CGC had this fantastic restoration detection. You know, they had some of the the best people working, and people that were actually doing restoration. Now, on the opposite side this destroyed the restoration market. It gave it a huge stigma on the secondary market. So now that dreaded purple label or restored label is looked at as like terrible. The market, you know, yeah, yeah, you don't, you don't want that except for maybe a very few select books. And I don't think that's exactly fair, but that's how the market shakes out. But CGC sort of done this. And the other thing that it did, that's again, it's a, It's two sides to the coin. They created a standard. So when you purchase an 8.0, you were to get fair market value for it. But on the other hand, it inflated the prices and created a craze for like the highest grade, which we've touched upon before in previous casts that, you know, I, I would challenge just about anybody who's an average comic book fan to look at a book that it would be 9.0 to 9.8 and tell me the yeah. difference. Some of the stuff you can't even find. Some of the right, stuff is right. so small. You would have to really be grading it. And, and this is to give sellers credit too. 
you know, like they would be selling a book. They're like, yeah, this is like a 9.6, you know, and then you look at, you're like, man, this is an 8.5. Where'd you miss this on the page? And they're like, you know, the person's like, Jesus Christ, leave me alone. Like I'm just trying to, you know, and so, but it created all this price compression between those high end grades. And so now the hunt for the perfect book, the mythological perfect book is sort of a thing. And people have taken advantage of that and, the whole market yeah. is like insane. Well, from I mean, CGC. and yeah, I mean, CGC look, helped foster it too. It did. Sure. I mean, look at the the price yeah. difference between, um, you know, I was I was talking about Ultimate Fallout Four right now. So I mean, between a nine point six and a nine point eight, like to the naked eye, like you could not tell the difference between those two books. But that point two grade is what uh, six seven hundred dollar difference right now. Sure, sure. And and on bigger books, that's it's even larger. Yeah, it's you huge, know, they're, man. They're, that's huge. you could get thousands of dollars and. But, you know, I, I don't know, when you look at it, you know, there's no difference. I, I'll, and one of my biggest and favorite books, and again, that's something that I talk about on this cast a lot, is like Bone. I have Bone, number one, at a 9.6. If you just look at that thing in this, little, in this plastic case, I dare you to tell me that there's something like that would make this not a 9.8. But the price was a fraction of getting into this book. Yeah, and the others, and so, but you know, again, well, that, like it's, it's that a double edged sword. The, that begs the question, also, as to you know, what is a nine point six, and what is a nine point eight, and you know, you're well, you're talking about you're, you're talking about those grades, and and I know that there's some fans, there are fans. And I don't think I don't know if we have any fans. We certainly have listeners, but I know there's <laughs> listeners. I know there's listeners out there who might not understand that there's also graders notes that are sometimes available to you. So you can kind of get an idea of why something is a 9.8 or a 9.6, but, uh, well, but yeah, it's what's a it's, bummer yeah. is that now 9.6 from CGC doesn't get notes. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that's from sheer volume or like, uh, I don't know what that, what that's about, but so now you can't even tell what the difference is, but I mean, sometimes when you're holding a book, you could have like a, we, we talk about all black covers before you're looking at this thing. It could have a fingerprint on it that you don't see. Sure. You know, they catch that, that brings it down. Normally that brings it down to like a nine, two or nine, four, which is a huge difference. Or, but... or, or on the other side of flip side of that, there could be nothing wrong with it at all. You could crack it, resubmit it and it comes back a 9.8. Well, that's that's the next part is, you know, <laughs> that's the, the game, the, boys. Yeah, the the grading standards are, yeah. you know, not well, not to mudsling, but unfortunately, you know, CGC has come under fire. CBCS has come under fire. Zach mentioned PGX coming under a lot of fire for <laughs> yeah. grading inaccuracies. And right. I mean, at right. least CGC and CB, um, CBCS have like uh, industry leaders at least they have that, you know, sure. and they have, you know, they have a lot of people that have a lot of experience, a lot of big names, people that have been doing it a long, long time with PGX, yeah. you know, it's just like some dudes in their garage is what it sounds like when you try to look them up online. But, you know, uh, the, the whole grading for me is it's twofold. Like Zach mentioned, there's, there's the selling portion. You, you sell <laughs> a CGC graded book and it's final, you know, that's, whether it's subjective or not, it's it's encased in that. Yeah, that's yeah. its grade. That's the price, and that could be disappointing, and, or you know, a huge boost. So, you know, again, double-edged sword with all this. Like for the listeners out there, if you're looking to get your books graded, and I have an article coming up on it that's 
pretty comprehensive about all this. Um, is it worth it? Nine so, times out of ten, probably not. You know, yeah. it's like. So what would be? I know Zach talked a little bit about like what he what he liked about it, like because he he you know you want to grade those books that you really love, you want to grade those those keys that you've always you know dreamt about having and keeping them in your collection so they're safe and and you know obviously evaluated and you can use that for insurance purposes and whatever else. But what are uh, what is the detriment to you? What is the thing that you don't like about grading books or that just annoys uh, you or yeah. you know? There's so much. There's price. There's wait time. There's the market fluctuation caused by them. There's just the fact that, you know, you have now a trading card like that you'll never open. So yeah. it's, you know, it's entombed. That bad boy's entombed. And, <laughs> but there's also the, it's, it also makes it have a nice presentation on one end. So when it comes to yeah. comic collecting, 90% of your comic collection is worthless. Sorry. You know, it's what? Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're supposed to be reading this thing for, enjoyment you know? <laughs> it's not gonna be you it's like buying a new computer or new car you drive it off the lot it's worth nothing you know like you, you buy a book for five bucks the chances are 90 percent of the time it's worth a dollar later rest on. in peace retirement you, dreams yeah, yeah so yeah. unless you're really heavily invested in the game and you have big dreams of flipping books or getting books and you know, selling them into some grand scheme, you know, it's not really worth it. Like, is your, you know, is the Hulk that you bought, Hulk 181, any better in a case or not? Right, it presents right. better. If you're going to mount it on the wall, yeah. But is it, does it look any better in a CGC long box compared to a regular long box? I don't sure. know, you know. So there's, there's but, two different things that I wanted to quickly address. Like I wanted to kind of dive into um, signature um, books. Like, so books, Zach talked a little I, bit I, about I, I, CBCS and, and, you know, getting that, that more signature verified. But I also um, kind of wanted to talk a little bit about um, a couple of other things, but what do you think about that? The signature service? Like, I mean, you know, this is one of the things that I personally do not like about uh, CGC, and it's not the fact that they don't verify those signatures like CBCS. It's the fact that um, the way that they actually go about the witness service. Um, well, at, you know, at, that's yeah. a very that's a very common problem with you know CGC and cons is that you're sitting there waiting in line, you know, for a dude to wait for his witness to show up so they're verified sure. so they can send them off, and you're like, oh my god, I'm so hungry. You know, I've been waiting for two hours for J. Scott Campbell to sign one book. Right. You right. know, you almost want to dip out of line because this other dude had like 30 books and he wants them all CGC graded because he's going to send them off. They're all going to be on eBay in a month. Right. You know, right. and that's kind of, it's a, it's great and it's terrible, which is the whole yeah. point of all this because CGC gives you the confidence in purchasing that um signature as authenticated so it's been witnessed there's no someone saw it there's no if ands or buts you know but is your signed book any better again in that slab it's going to be worth a lot more mm -hmm. like you know mm -hmm. it will be the price the price increases sometimes 10 to 100% you know but does that matter to you 
you know, we just, we were just recently at a signing, uh, Max and myself, and it was with Clayton Crane and I got some Spider-Man books done and Max was asking me if I was going to send them off. And I said, no, because this is just going in my lawn box for me on my Spider-Man keys. So Mm -hmm. what's the point? You know, I'm not flipping them. I'm not selling them. You know, I don't have to put them online to make sure that some random buyer in Missouri can get, you know, like a, you know, certified grade. I did turn off one book, but that's because it got a remark on it. And so I kind Mm -hmm. of wanted that book, my ghostwriter one, done by him because he did a little ghostwriter sketch remark on it. And I wanted that to be in a slab. So that's preserved. So there's so a, let me, also the preservation so let me, uh, aspect. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that like, um, you know, cause we were at that signing and, and clearly Clayton had a witness there from CGC that was certainly helping him, um, you know, with that. Do you ever think that there'll be a time when the artists themselves are the witness to their own signature? Well, Hmm. I believe if if I'm I might not be correct on that, but I believe the artists are now like okay, okay. Like when you send a book in to Neil Adams, right? Neil Adams will do this, will do his art or do his remark, and then he'll send it to CGC for you, or more likely he'll have some poor schmuck do it for him. <laughs> um, you know, but the CGC does, I believe, allow certain artists to do that and i believe with clayton crane it was the same way so clayton crane crane was considered the witness now they don't do that with all artists and they also don't really publicize a lot of that which is another problem with cgc like their grading standards you know they're like well we have the Mm -hmm. highest grading standards well what are they they're the highest you know you're like okay (laughs) but what are they (laughs) well they're similar to overstreet so they're the overstreet ones no they're not what you know like and so it's like they just tell you that this is the best service and this is the one so you know it's again they have the luxury of being the number one service you know clear hands down but you know we talked about cbcs and their verification service which has sadly come under fire recently not that long ago because they verified a todd mcfarland signature and he's like that's not me i've never signed any of those books because he's one of those guys much like rob liefeld who's like i will never sign that book so you know they came under fire because they verified a signature so it's in doubt um sure but you know again there's human error with this so that that goes that goes back, that goes to like kind of like a thing that I want to hear about from both of you guys as far as the differences in the companies then. Like we talk about, you know, we've talked about what we love and the, what we don't like, what we hate, uh, why to do it and why not to do it as a fan. But the difference between the two, if you're trying to choose, and let's say for either, we know if you're going to flip it, we know if you're going to sell it, you want to do it CGC. But if you're a collector and you're just doing it, you know, for your own collection, what would you CBCS. recommend? CBCS. Um, personally i think cbcs books are they have a from what i've seen clear standards for grading they're just a little more consistent than cgc and that's not to say that cgc has poor graders it's just that cgc i'm sure is overwhelmed just by sheer numbers you know almost 90 percent of books are submitted to cgc that's why you have to wait so long so this, uh, much like many of the answers that we're giving here, uh, it, it's kind of a middle of the road answer, right? Because there's pros sure. and cons to each of them. 
from my experience, CBCS, every the book is actually holstered better. I've never had a CBCS yeah. book get like knocked around or become loose or anything like that. Um, but the the difference, and this might go back to the whole difference um, why CGC is more popular, but purely aesthetically looking, when you look at the labels, CBCS looks like dog shit compared to CGC. Right. Well, they all do. Yeah, CGC's yeah. got like it, it's super. It's it's nice, like easy to read, good font, good color, all the stuff. Like it's it's everything is just very aesthetically pleasing to look at on a CGC book, which I think is kind of biting CBCS in the ass because I do like their grading, I do like how they holster them, but when I look at it, it's kind of like ugh, like it's just it's it looks sure. like a, a piece of red paper that was printed off with my information on my book and and slid Having... into the lab. Yeah, for listeners that don't know, there's different color designations for different labels, like rest, restored, conserved. Mm-hmm. You know, universal blue. Sign. Is the, yeah. It, yeah, is the standard. So that's what you'll see ninety percent of the time. But CBCS has a red label, which I thought it was a that, poor choice as well because it looks yeah. like red flag or like it does. It just looks like stands out bad. Like mm-hmm. yeah. It's not even like a, it's like a, it's like a thrush red. Like it's really deep red too. It's not like a a bright red. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Red is usually negative. So, you know, like it's usually associated with negative. I don't know what marketing team came up with like that choice. Plus the paper quality of the label looks a little shittier on the inside, but you know, I mean, like you said, the holder's better. It seems to it holster the comic comic better, which is really what it comes down to, and the grading's better. So it's cheaper, but you know. But but again, another con another con to that though is that you know, as Zach was saying, there's that middle of the road. There's pros and cons to both. But another con to that would be like, okay, if you ever do need to sell that book, if you've run into hard times, or maybe mm, you even want to yep. insure the book, you know, you want to insure its value. Uh, you know, clearly, if you're you're not grading. With you're looking at somewhere, yeah. yeah. You're looking at somewhere between ten percent to up to twenty five percent less of fair market value that right. I've seen. Like, right. but that's great for buyers. <laughs> like, if you're looking at buying a book, I always look at to look at CBCS because CBCS also has free notes. CGC requires you to buy notes, which is bullshit. <laughs> but it five, um, five bucks per something like that. If I ten. Is it ten? Ten dollars. It's $10 a book. And so even if you have a membership, which they make you pay for, bullshit. Um, But (laughs) CBCS at least allows you to like see the notes. So this way, if someone's selling a book online that's CBCS, you could like look it up. Hey, Matt, we're going to need you to cool, dude. We're never going to get that CGC sponsorship if you keep on saying bullshit, man. Well, right. you know. <laughs> well, well hold. We, we, we're we probably not getting it anyway. Yeah. We want to welcome our new sponsors, PGX, to the cast. Yeah. Hey, Hell yeah. Yeah. Right uh, at Eugene, yeah. Oregon, right there. Yeah. This, so, I mean, there's tons of pros and cons to getting your book slab, but it's really personal, is what it comes down to. Like, I don't think it's worth doing unless it's something personal to you. You know, like, and sure. or you're selling books. Yep, There's not sure. really a middle ground. You can't really, I, I don't see a benefit of doing it if you're like just a standard collector. Like, you know, well, it's not if, cost effective either if you're like a standard collector. I mean, you're not going to slab every book that comes, comes your no. way. You know, you got to, you got to save it for those, those special books. So why don't you well, give us a why don't you give us a quick um for for the listeners out there give us a quick cost breakdown of what it would cost to get like a a book graded at each company. Well, so CGC is 
clearly the most expensive because they're the industry leader and they can charge whatever they want. So a standard book will just do modern, for example, and you'll kind of like be able to apply this to every other tier without any services, which means no press or cleaning, which is a whole nother topic about all this. Um, if you're submitting a book, you should probably get it press and cleaned, whether by a third party service or the greater, just saying, just a heads up. It's mm. probably worth it for you to do. Um, but CGC costs right around $20 just for the service for a modern mm. book. So you get your modern book done, but you still have to ship it to them, which means you have to, you know, eat all those materials. Then after that, they ship it back to you. You have to pay for that as well. So, you know, like, is the book worth this much? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And then CBCS, it comes down a little under. It's right around $17 for a modern book. Like, just straight up. And yeah, then, and you still got to pay for the shipping both ways. Same. And then PGX, who's the next, who's, you know, there's actually more. There's like five American companies, but the other ones are like negligible in this conversation. But sure. PG, PGX is $13 a book. Yeah. So, so, so that know, begs the question then, that, that, that begs the question, is it worth it to get a Dark Hawk number one, nine, you know, graded at all? Like, you know, oh, yeah. nine, nine <laughs> nine times out of ten i would probably say that no <laughs> you know no, i'd probably no, say not. no unless yeah. you were zach and it was personal to you yeah. like you had your book from a childhood and you want to send that in because god damn this is a relic i you know i read this you know while i was playing with my ninja turtle figures and i hit my ninja turtle figures with my dark hawk rolled up you know like yeah. it's personal but or you love dark hawk so much you have to have those high grades you know sure. you're that's what you're into. So there's, there's nuanced collecting avenues with it, but you know, the, the other equation to all this, and this is something that would apply to someone like you, Max is your books are insured. If you have a, a fire in your home, sure. There's no way to prove your grades. There's right. nothing. Yep. You know, those books are gone, you know, in any insurance agency will require the grading, you know? So there you have it, you know, like there's a bunch of different avenues, but nine times out of 10, I don't think CGC is really for you unless these are books that, you know, target the ones you want, or they're books that you think will increase in value and you'll be able to sell. Definitely. Definitely. That's do you guys own kind of, so I know Zach doesn't own any, uh, any PGX books, but do you have any PGX books at all? <laughs> Actually I did. Um, I had, we're talking about Denny O'Neill and uh, Detective Comics, and I had the first Silver Age appearance of um, Two-Face at a 6.0. Oh, uh, PDX, okay. did you? Yeah, I, did you break it open and submit it? 100%. And what did it <laughs> I cracked come, it open. What, so it was a 6.0 I, PGX. What did it come back as uh, with the CGC? I don't know yet. It's, it's, it arrived. It's actually, it's arrived there and it's scheduled for grading, but I cracked it and then I sent it in for a press and cleaning because it had soiling. And so for listeners, you know, that's a whole nother subject with grading is, is that there's tons of things that are fixable on comic books without being labeled conservation or restoration. Soiling, fingerprints, light creases that don't break color. You know, this is going to be information that's all available in an article you're going to see pop up. But um, all that stuff is fixable. So it had light soiling. So I had it cleaned. You know, I'm hoping that it retains at least the six or it gets a little higher. You know, I'm hoping it pops into an eight, you know. 
So, yeah, it's kind of the game you play. So, and yeah, let me they, tell they, you, that was like the worst holder I've ever seen, like in comparison. <laughs> like they, it was, yeah, it's, I, I, I mean, actually have, oh uh, I have one and it's actually a John Burns next man. 21. Hell yeah. 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 Burnerobotics.com. First appearance of Hellboy. Well, one of the first appearances of Hellboy. Um, You know, and it's a book that, you know, I I have a couple other books that aren't graded that are first appearances that are same issue. And I just don't, I I just haven't done anything with that PGX book. But I'm really curious to kind of maybe do something where I bust that out and kind of like, you know, maybe submit it and see what the grade is from, you know, CBCS or. CGC. Well, that's a big key. So that's actually worth it to bust open and then resubmit because even yeah. if you were to like re resell that on our shop, turbocomics.com, um, <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a great way to buy books. Like if you are reselling books or you're trying to like find <laughs> diamonds in the rough, CBCS and PGX are great for purchases because they sell for way under market value and you could crack those open. But you yeah. Don't go yeah. into this like with dreams of retirement. You have to have kind of like the keen eye. You have to have a little bit of grading knowledge because you can really bone yourself with all this. You could be like, man, I have this super great copy of, I mean, I don't know, whatever, the first appearance of Dragon Man, you know, and you think it's great. And then you submit it and it comes back at like a five and you're like, this book is clearly a 7.5. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like yeah. you're stuck with this now, you know, and you could have paid you could have paid for like a six sure but you lost out on money and it's kind of the gamble you know you have to kind of like it, it's a bit of gambling if you're trying to do that flip game but if you're a standard collector which is like nine times out of ten you know and you're you know you look at the book you want you know and purchase the grade you want and with the grade you're comfortable with and the grade you can afford yeah you know yeah, yeah. there's tons of books out there that are like 5.0 of a lot of like classic fantastic stuff you yeah. know that's like and the cover looks beautiful dude i Re- yeah i'm all about the low key or the low grade classics like my my fantastic four 48 49 50 all 1.0s to 1.5s and i don't give a shit about that i'm just glad to have the books because it's <laughs> yeah. it, it's like the covers look good and it's honestly like it's a, it's a book that, uh, you know, I, I could save up for, but I know there's like other books and, you know, it, you know, I don't have thousands of dollars to drop on, uh, you know, 48. So I'm just, I'm happy with having the 1.0 and I know I own the book and, you know, I, I can say I own the first appearance of the silver surfer in Galactus, you know, and I'm completely good with that. No, that's yeah, awesome. And, that, and, yeah, th- and that's awesome. And I think that that's going to, you know, again, this is, this is huge as far as like, you know, why you would actually do this. Um, what the motivations are for you as a collector um, or as a reseller, um, or if you're just curious about, you know, what the differences are in the companies, all those things that we're talking about, all these different things that we've addressed here um, are also going to be, you know, touched upon in an article um, that's going to be on turbocomicshop.com that Matt is actually penning. Um, Why don't you talk a little bit about that article, give us an idea of what is going to go on there, um, as well as a couple exciting tidbits for listeners. Okay, so if anybody read my really in-depth article before about the Winter Soldier and spec opportunities, you can kind of see that I really like to deep dive into nuances of collecting, and this is a huge part of collecting. So 
with this article, it's just going to be a breakdown of each company. It's going to have basic price structure, who's better for, you know, basically you're going to be able to look, read this article and kind of fit into the space of where you, of where you want to submit, how you want mm -hmm. to do it, if it's even worth it. You know, you're going to see repeatedly in the article that I'm going to say, double check, because right now at this point, where are you at in this cost to make this worth it? Or is it even, you know, yeah. like, so, and if you get to the end result, you know, choose the company that best suits you because that's, what's going to matter, you know, best suit your needs. And sure. on top of that, I'm going to say how to submit the best practices. Cause there is, you know, an art to shipping comics, you know, uh, there's a lot of things that can go wrong when you're getting comics in the mail or comics shipped to you. And there's a lot of people that are seasoned sellers that still do this incorrect to this day. Hey, you know, I know about that. <laughs> Everybody knows about that. There's, yeah, I don't think there's anybody who's gotten a comic in the mail and been, you know, and not had one come messed up. Oh, you yeah. know, like oh, yeah. the worst is when you're going on eBay, you pay some premium that you're going to regret, and then you get the book and the corner's damaged because they put it in like a bubble mailer, you know? And so yeah. there is the art of putting it together to ship. So there's going to be that. And then there's also going to be the secondary part of that, which is window bagging which is something that every time i look online is always brought up like what is sure. window bagging why do i have to do it and what does it mean that, yeah how do i do it can i buy window bags i can't believe there's another <laughs> company that doesn't have window bags made but you know uh, there will it, be someday yeah <laughs> um but you know window bags are for submitting comics for in-house grading or just to get your books graded or signed and sketched anyway, because it makes it quicker. So I'll go into that. And then lastly, I'm going to do a bit of research for Turbo Comics. We're going to submit a few books, see how long it takes, see what the grading standards are. We did a little bit of uh, skullduggery, and we are going to have a couple, <laughs> uh, three books that are going to have three distinct flaws, all the same submit them to each of the companies and then submit copies that we think are going to land in the nine, six, nine, eight range and see what they come out as. Yeah. See what each ones do. And after yeah. that, after we get them back listeners, we're going to do a little bit of a contest to give away these sets. So one sad listener will get probably PGX tens, um, two PGX tens. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be PGX customer for life right there. If they get those, man. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> And then a set, a set of uh, CBCS ones and then a set of the CGC ones. And so it's a really cool book. It's Deceased number four. It's the Ben Oliver variant from Forbidden, um, which is a really, really nice cover. All black, deep colors, easy to see flaws. So if you're looking at, like, if you're an amateur grader, you can take a look at it yourself and kind of see if there's any flaws. You'll be able to see them on the cover super easy. Um, you know, and so that's what we're going to do for everybody. So check that out. There'll be more details later. You know, uh, Max will be posting those on all the social medias uh, at around the time this starts going out. So, and also yeah. check out the articles it, so you can it, see how that works. This is quite the community service that we're doing for comic grading as a whole. This is like a, a little experiment that I don't think a lot of people do. Yeah, I, I don't only, think a lot of I people do it a... and let it be known. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. For fear yeah, of like... retribution. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen it be, I, I've seen it be done a little, a couple times here and there on Facebook. Um, 
uh, on on YouTube, I've seen some channels that have actually done sort of similar things. Um, but it is a, a an inter interesting topic because everything that we're talking about here, in some ways, is a little at times controversial. Um, you know, there's some mm -hmm. people that uh, have a really you know that have some hard feelings about uh, CGC, especially. So it'll be really interesting to see how this pans out. But listeners that are interested in that awesome, awesome giveaway, where you're gonna definitely get some really cool stuff. You're gonna get some cool books. Um, you know, continue to follow us. Um, we're going to be posting some uh, information and how you can get those books um, when we actually post this cast. So keep an eye out for that. Um, we're going to start kind of tone it down. This has been kind of one of our more serious episodes where we actually talked about <laughs> something that actually mattered a little bit um, instead of, you know, Bravestar. So, um, mm -hmm. oh! <laughs> <laughs> damn. <laughs> uh, you know, so, but we do have a question of the week. Um, we're going to dive into some cosmic stuff next um, Ooh, cast. You know, dude, so we're gonna, I cannot wait. Yeah. I cannot wait. It's going to be sick. Um, oh. You know, we've we want to get some space, um, some space stuff going on. So we have a question of the week this week where we're going to kind of focus a little bit on that cosmic stuff. Um, the question is, what character from another comic universe would you want to see as a Herald of Galactus? What do you think, Zach? So serious answer. Uh, <laughs> it would be, <laughs> it would be uh, the Black Racer from the New Gods over in DC. Um, I don't know if you guys, I mean, I know you guys know what he looks like, but for those of you who don't know, uh, he's basically a Grim Reaper type, but on skis that goes through space. So he would fit in pretty good with uh, the Heralds of Galactus liking to use means of leisure as their transportation. So he, he would be good there. Um, funny answer, uh, you know, I think Shadowhawk would do pretty well. Oh, again? Oh my god, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> oh at, at the very least like if he showed up to the planet people would be willing to accept it It'd be like yeah okay dude like just get it over with we're tired of hearing your shit let's just let's just end us already <laughs> oh my god i can't believe you didn't pick a you know invincible or something like that's yeah what I... yeah well, that would have been more my serious answer i can't believe you didn't yeah, pick dark hawk uh, no, he's, saying, he's, in, <laughs> he's in this he's in the same universe so okay yeah true. oh yeah 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 come on so Shadowhawk, Shadowhawk, you know, it's, you know, okay. That makes sense. Eight. What about you, Matt? <laughs> um, man, my, my answer is going to be serious, not serious at all. And Zach already touched upon, uh, you know, some Shadowhawk. Oh. Well, yeah. Uh, but I would choose Infinity Man, who is uh, uh, one of the forever people. And he's actually the brother of Darkseid. And he has all kinds of weird powers and same things like Infinity Beams, you know, oh. teleportation. Yeah super strength he's like uh he's a kind of still an underused character in the dc universe and so i would like to see him kind of like revamped i feel like i feel like dc kind of mishandles the forever people and a lot of the jack kirby stuff in general sure. um don't worry, Which Dark is... Side's coming to the Zack snyder cut of justice league so he's <laughs> yeah gonna, he's i mean be dark side is he dark side used a lot but not everybody else, you know. I mean, if I wanted to choose a sexy pick, I could have chose Big Barda, you know, oh, who's yeah. really oh cool. Literally. Yeah. Sexy. Yeah, very and also big, also large. Yeah. <laughs> or Miracle Man, you know, but Jack Kirby's like for fourth world and you know, all that apocalypse yeah. stuff is really awesome. And so that just really that's our super easy one. But Infinity Man is a really 
like almost never used character can, for can I, cosmic DC stuff. Can I change my answer? Matt's, Are you gonna, Matt, Matt's answer. Well, I want to get. I want to get rid of Shadowhawk. So uh, I might steal yours, Max. I don't know. We'll see. Um, so DC again. But what about Psycho Pirate? Oh, yeah. Psycho I thought you were Pirate gonna. I hot. thought you were gonna say Commandi. Commandi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Commandi. I wish they would do something with him. <laughs> they do every now and then, and I mean it's cool. But I wish that like well, he was in Final yeah. Crisis, wasn't he? Pretty sure he was. Well, he's he kind of pops up in all the like DC big books. He just never is right. in anything. Yeah, like, never like does sort anything. of con- yeah, never consistent. So yeah. Well, I don't know what mine would be. I had a hard time with this because there's a ton of cool characters. I was trying to find someone that I really actually enjoy that isn't super well known. Um, and I've actually never said his name out loud, so I don't know if I'm pronouncing pronouncing this correctly. But what it would be uh, it would be real docs. Oh, oh, that's okay. a cool pick. Yeah, Brill Docs would be, I think, cool because, um, you know, he doesn't have much in the way of superpowers or anything like that. But, you know, he, you know, those of you that don't know, he's the son of the original Brainiac. And, you know, as a, as a Legion fan, I thought he, he, that would be kind of cool because he's, he's kind of one of those characters that's sort of like not always good and not always bad. Um, yeah. So I think he would be kind of interesting as that sort of um, herald of Galactus where he, you know, maybe he'll have you know the moral fortitude to do what's right and maybe he just won't give a shit you know uh um, oh, that's he, cool yeah he's one of those characters that has that 12th level intellect kind of thing going on but you know i've liked what they've yeah. done with him over the years and i liked when he was a member of the sinestro yeah, core yeah. and all that stuff so it's a shame yeah. he's on the legion man oh, oh, oh jesus oh man. you know what i changed mine i'm ready to fight back mine's superboy <laughs> prime yeah, oh here we go here we go yeah. It's Super Bowl Pri- Superboy Prime. We're going to argue about that for two hours. Yeah, next week. We'll save that for the crisis. <laughs> sorry, guys. Yeah, sorry, everyone. Yeah. Well, my second one is Saturn Girl, then. You know, I think that's going to be my second one. So. Uh... Oh, that's a sexy. That's also a sexy pick. Deep cut. That would be cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that would yeah. be cool. I don't know what the what the why the Legion hate is happening. Um, we do have a friend who's probably, you know, sobbing into his pillow who's also a Legion fan right now <laughs> no, because of this stuff. I, so um, here, here's the thing. I'll, I'll make this real quick with the Legion. Yeah, like, right. Real no, quick. no. I, I will try to summarize it in like <laughs> two sentences. I've, I, I've read what is considered to be their best story, and I thought it was like a average like Avengers or Fantastic Four story. Like I don't like, uh, like the Great Darkness Saga. You know, like it was just eh, okay. And I read the Mark Wade stuff. It's all right, but like, there's nothing about that group that like makes me. Oh my just, god! It doesn't blow Disconnect. my mind. Yeah, we'll, disconnect. We'll Sorry, Bob. First dude, he's gonna really hate me, like for the transmit stuff, and now this. Ugh. Well, yeah, now this, and you know, and then it's it's all downhill from now until we do our zero or hour cast and talk about that. So, yes, <laughs> my time to shine. <laughs> all right, where can we find you guys? Uh, so you can find me on Instagram at Paper Abyss Comics, uh, and you can find me on YouTube. Uh, just search <laughs> Dark Hawk Talk, or you can, uh, I think, is it still linked on the Turbo uh, Comics page? It is. It yes, is. It is. Okay. So you can check it out there. Uh, still working on issue number nine. I had some technical <laughs> issues. I got too excited when I was recording it, and I didn't realize it wasn't recording. So I got to try it again tomorrow. <laughs> Dude, it was hard-hitting oh. action between Punisher and Savage Steel, man. Oh, Savage Steel. Yeah. It's too stoked. Too stoked. Awesome. Yeah, I That's got too amazing. stoked for my own good, bros. <laughs> well, what about you, Matt? Where can we find you? 
You can find me Exalted Funeral everything, Instagram, Facebook, websites, all of it, and also at Cosmic Skull Comics, where you can see my personal sad co- comic journey where I just spend a ton of money on books and post them on Instagram like a sad boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Well, and you can also find this cast at Turbo Comics Cast on Twitter. Um, you can also find Turbo Comics on Facebook and on Instagram at Turbo Comics. And definitely stop by our web store. It's turbocomicshop.com where we have a ton of books for sale from Silver Age all the way up to Moderns, t shirts, merchandise, vintage toys, you name it. We got it for you. So definitely check us out. We're always having sales. We have a promo code going on right now turbo 10 get 10 percent off your order at checkout so definitely check us out and uh, follow us on twitter and follow us on facebook and we will see you guys soon